What up, Long Beach? We are coming to you live via tape delay late Friday night slash early Saturday morning. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. It is What Up, Long Beach, our weekly podcast. We are doing our football coverage. We're trying to figure out if it's time to freak out or not because Long Beach football is on fire right now. Tyler and Mike just got back from, guys, maybe Long Beach Poly football's biggest win since their last championship game. An upset to say the least. The Drac Rabbits go into Orange County and beat Mission Viejo. I know everybody's going to be watching the video. This is obviously going to be on the website right now. So get to the 562.org. Check out all the sponsors. Shout out to Naples Rib Company, all that stuff. But we have no time to gild the lily right now. We are trying to talk about whether or not the scores that we're getting, Cabrillo's 3-0, for goodness sakes. The scores that we're getting for Long Beach football right now. Is it is it time to go crazy? Is it time to think about the possibilities of an undefeated poly season? Is it time to think about the possibilities of Cabrillo maybe battling some other teams for a more league win? Like, what is going on right now? I think what's going on right now, first of all, and we were the first to say this, so I want to just pat all of ourselves on the back at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night. All three of us said, when the, when the current group of coaches got into place in the Moore League, the last couple of years, we've all said, the city's in a better spot than it's been for high school football in a decade. Because it's the first time that you could say, when it, and we hear from them all the time, a parent of an eighth grade football player says, oh, where should I take my son? It's the first time you've been able to say, there's four or five programs in the city that you could take your kid to and expect them to develop and have a good experience. And what is happening is, the fruits of that at all these different programs. Shane Gonzalez at Cabrillo, and I almost want to talk about Cabrillo before we talk about Polly, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Why not? Shout out Shane Gonzalez. <laughs> um, Cabrillo going 3-0 and when last year there was questions. I mean, we were literally the three of us just talking off, like between the three of us about whether they were going to continue their season each week. And now they go from being 1-9 and nine to 3-0. and oh. For safety reasons. Not because they, yeah. we thought they were a bad football team. Right. For literal safety concerns. But they, they yeah. play Linwood next week. They have a very legitimate chance to go into more league play 4-0. and oh. And I'm not saying they're going to they're gonna go out and finish in the, in the playoff spot in the more league. But that's, it just shows you the progression. And I think the programs that kind of started further ahead of where Cabrillo was last year, obviously, are also still progressing. That Jordan team is a very impressive 3-0. and uh, Tyler and I saw them in the fourth quarter last night. That offense looked better than it ever did last year mm-hmm. once it started clicking. Um, Polly, 3-0 and with the win over Mission Viejo, number four in the state on the road. A huge win. You, I mean, Tyler and I were kind of talking like, you have a, what, what is, what's your guess at the last regular season win that was that big for Polly? Like, Narbonne in 2014. I, you know what I mean? Like it's, oh. it just feels much bigger than anything they've done in quite a while. It almost might. I might have to go back to the the, the win that Polly had at Northwestern when they went to Florida and and got a win, just because that was something that was kind of unique. You know, because Polly's played plenty of big games, but you know, I just this felt like a paradigm shift. You know, and that it's Polly had been at the top for so long, it was hard to find something new or monumental of an accomplishment. And I think, you know, going across the country early in a season and winning against the defending national champions, that was like a thing at that time. For Now for Polly, this is like, hey, welcome back to the top tier. 
you know, because it had been, you know, a few years since Polly was really competing at the top. And, you know, we guess, I guess we put an asterisk on every conversation around high school football where you kind of take out the top two, um, you know, all-star teams, for lack of a better term, uh, in the Trinity League, Bosco and, and Modern Day. And I think everybody, you know, we saw Modern Day take care of business pretty comfortably against Corona Centennial tonight, sort of showing that these two teams are in a different stratosphere. But Polly has been a few steps away from that and hasn't been at this D1 level. And obviously they won that division four championship last year comfortably. We could see that they were trending in the right direction. The coaches knew they were trending in the right direction, but here's the proof on the field. The Jackrabbits got their revenge over Sarah. They went down to South orange County and they took it to Mission Viejo and won that game in the fourth quarter. Really impressive stuff. This is the type of victory that will have people talking differently about Long Beach Poly football for the coming months and possibly until next football season. So take us there, guys. You guys went down to Orange County for this game. You're on the sidelines doing a great job with the Twitter updates. Shout out Snoop Dogg for the retweet. Appreciate that. (laughs) What was it like before the game? What did it feel like? I mean, did it feel like you were going down there as the underdogs? I mean, I think I told you this week that I thought they had, um, and I, I told Tyler this too. I, th- I think I texted Tyler actually Saturday at like four o'clock in the morning when we finished work, and I was like, I think I already talked myself into Polly versus Mission Viejo. <laughs> and I said, you know, the way everyone had, it, they kind of came in with house money because I think narratively they were absolutely the massive underdogs. For me, looking at what Mission had put up the first two weeks and what Polly had put up the first two weeks. I liked Polly's chances, you know, and I I think I told both you guys that I talked to the coaches about it. Like I was kind of surprised given that mission is super well coached. They're super deep and their line is good. But if you just sort of go body to body, they have a division one quarterback. So does Polly. They have three division one receivers. So does Polly. Polly also has a division one bound defensive lineman who's a senior who made huge plays tonight, Dom Lulicio, going to Arizona. They have a division one linebacker, Dylan Williams, who had a sack and a pass breakup tonight. So I was just looking at this going like, why is everyone writing this off as like the same way you're writing off Corona Centennial Modern Day? But it did absolutely feel like everyone other than their team absolutely thought it was like, you know, sort of a foregone conclusion that Mission was going to win. And um, I will say it's worth noting, because they have been in games like that, there was 100% certainty among the team and coaches that they were going to win. And I would point out that, um, and I know those coaches well, I, you know, we BS with each other, whatever. But when I said to them, you know, they said, so, you know, when we win on Friday, when we win on Friday, where, where do you think we'll be in the rankings? And I said, you know, I think if you win, I think you're for sure going to be in the top five, maybe as high as four. Uh, And everyone corrected me every time that conversation came up and said, when we win on Friday. And they don't normally, you know what I mean? It's not like a normally a try hard thing in those kinds of conversations, but they really were that. Especially over there. That's not a 1600 Atlantic way of looking at stuff. For sure. But they truly believe like, no, we're being unfairly written off. And I I think, look, you know, Tyler sort of alluded to it. And I think with this podcast, we can have the more real conversation that we have among the three of us than, than would make sense to put in an article. So let's talk about what we're really talking about. This is a football program that was dominant at the Division I level from 1908 until 2013, right? 105 years is a pretty good run. Since 2013, in 2014, they had a run to the Division I semifinals where Bosco pretty emphatically showed, 
hey, we're in a different weight class than you now. And this is a close football game, but whenever we want to run the ball on you, we're going to run the ball on you, and there's nothing you can do about that. No one had really done that to Polly in that way. And for the last 10 years, it's been what Tyler described. You've got Bosco and Modern Day up at the top and everybody else. And Polly was pretty far down that list, realistically. So last year, we've been feeling among the three of us, hey, Barbie's doing a good job. He's got these assistant coaches who are alums in. They're doing a really good job. In, and the talent's coming back. It came back in a wave of transfers when Barbie and them kind of first got there. And then the freshman classes have been loaded the last three or four years. So it's organically been that they've step-by-step step gotten better. Last year, it was kind of the perfect storm. They go one and three. They weren't quite ready for the Jackrabbit Division I non-league schedule. They got blasted by Corona Centennial. They lost 41-14 to Mission, and they lost a close game to Sarah, right? Mm -hmm. Then they get better over the course of the Moore League, and they absolutely mollywop the Division IV bracket, as Tyler said. They win the championship. We write the article and the video and the coverage celebrating they won their 20th championship. We're sort of standing between a lot of the old heads who are, quite frankly, just like shit talking these kids. Like, right. and I mean, some of them actually just shit talking them. Like, <laughs> they shouldn't celebrate the Division Four championship. It's disrespectful to the legacy of the school that they're getting rings for. Like, really, kind of, in my opinion, vicious, pissy stuff. Right? Too much. Doing too much. Yeah. But there's a kernel of truth in that. That's like, yeah, you should beat everyone in division four and you should beat them as handily as you did and so there was sort of that question of like what did you prove what on the path to being what the legacy of that program is what did you prove with that championship the three of us all felt that they obviously absolutely proved something mm -hmm. but what did you prove and you can't really answer that question until you come back this year and you play some of those teams again and you absolutely control the game against sarah defensively and then you go to mission viejo and beat them at their place, which is something that has literally happened once in the history of the Bali football program. Right. So I do think this is a huge, huge... Tyler and I were talking on the bus. Is this a bigger win for the program than the Division IV CIF championship? I think it absolutely is. I concur. Because the scope of this program is the scope of the state of California. And for them to, as they are right now, I'm looking at it on Cal Preps, be the number three ranked team in the state of California again, the top team below... Bosco and Modern Day, who are still in a weight class, uh, you know, all their own. Uh, I think that that's super, super significant. I don't think you could really say enough about how significant it is. And we'll talk later about what does that mean for where they're going to be in the playoffs this year. We don't really have an answer to that question. But I think this night has to be really appreciated and celebrated um, if you're someone who follows that football team. Because it, it was just huge. And it was so much fun, too. I just can't say enough about how fun the game was. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into it, Tyler. Yeah, no. It was, it was a ton of fun. Obviously, it was great to see our guy, Jayon Brown, uh, Oakland Raiders linebacker there at the game. Returning to the scene of the crime nine years after <laughs> Long Beach Poly goes down there um, and gets that playoff win. Um, you know, in the it was the quarterfinals right before beating Bosco in the semis in the Fog Bowl at Vets and then beating Modern Day. So that crazy playoff run. It was great to see Jayon back on the sidelines. Obviously, want to shout out him and Playfair Sports Management for sponsoring our Poly coverage. But I, I uh, yeah, hit us up if you want to sponsor I, I, uh, any sport yeah. or any school. I, uh, also, Tyler got to shout you out. One of the greatest all-time video clips we've ever gotten. <laughs> At the 562.org or anywhere else we've worked. That clip of him scoring. And Gerard then when I Wicks was Gerard Wicks the and then and Gerard Wicks scoring and then I put it in slow motion for the hype video the next year and it was yes. raw, <laughs> epic stuff. It was, 
crazy. Um, and the Devils, Devin Samples touchdown to win uh, the game last night looked very similar uh, to that touchdown, as a matter of fact. But I, I, the point I did want to make is I think in a lot of ways, and back me up if you agree or disagree, but I think the way Polly has started this season has only solidified that championship. Because like you said, there was a lot of people that were trying to down players, say they didn't deserve it, or CIF handed it to them. And we talked all about, like, the kids don't decide who they play. Polly does not have a reputation for ducking fades. They play the best teams in the area constantly. Um, they go on the road to Mission, obviously, played Corona Centennial on the road last year. They're not running from teams. They got who they got in the playoffs, and they won the games comfortably. What more are they supposed to do? They did lose their state regional game to a very, very good Sarah team. But now they come back this year. A lot of those same kids come back. They're 3-0. and They won at Mission. They've shown that the trajectory is pointing up for this program. And, and I think that it gives a little bit more weight to what that team accomplished last year because clearly they're not faking the funk. That was not a Mickey Mouse championship. This point. is a genuinely good football team. So, Tyler, you're doing the video down there. And usually in a game where maybe one team is favored or if you were to make a fake line, you would put it around, I don't know, let's say 10 points or something. You can, you're you looking, asked me that, and, and I did no, say that, no, 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 right? No, you, can, you, can, you, can say, you can say what I told you. Yeah, yeah. So it was, we had a nine and a half. If we were Vegas yeah. and we're doing that game, we're putting it at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Polly on the road, but a little yeah. bit inside information where you're like, you know what? This is going to be a little bit closer. So and looking all through. All of us would have taken the points. Yeah, take the points for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely. Take the points and the over. Bang it. Parlay. That's <laughs> a different conversation, though. Uh, so, Tyler. If we do looking, that podcast, you're going to have to pay for it. Fair play. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Uh, Tyler, looking through the camera lens, there's something different about watching a game through the camera like that when you're doing a highlight and you're kind of working the highlight in your head mm-hmm. while you're watching the game. Was there a play, maybe it didn't even make the video, but was there a play early on where you're like, oh boy, we got a ball game? Or like, uh, you know, an old Keith Jackson, oh, Nelly. You know, that's that's a good question, JJ, because there really every play felt like it could be a game-breaking play because th- it, was, it was so even and there were so many moments where it was like both teams dropped some key passes, both teams nearly sacked the other quarterback who then was able to elude and make some plays. Um you know, really, I, I think Polly came out so confidently, and really Darius Curry's first throw of the night, he drops it in along the left sideline um, to Charles Clinton. It, it is in the video. It's like the first play uh, in there. And I just think the confidence that he stood there and delivered that ball with, the fact that they were willing to kind of go out there and take a shot after getting the ball first, it was it was very much a like, okay, Polly's here to play. Um, but they did, have to, they did have to respond because they did get behind mission scored first. And, and the way that Polly was able to run the ball with Devin Samples and the fact that he kept falling forward, that was something that we kept talking about. He, yeah. was, he would turn plays that could have been no gain into three yards. And, consistently. And consistently, and, and that really makes the difference because you know second and seven feels so much differently than second and ten. And, and Polly really did a good job of limiting their negative plays tonight. Um, and, and I think that that was, a, that was a big key. And a lot of kids really grew up you know uh, Darius Curry is a very talented guy but missed most of his sophomore year and so still a relatively inexperienced player um, but he really especially in that fourth quarter really turned it on and uh, you know you just can't say enough about the way they performed down the stretch and and I know we told him after the game but Polly offensive coordinator Renee Medina really called a great game um, had great balance I love the way they they mixed up the way they threw the ball as well as the way they ran it um, no one was overlooked and they they showed off 
all the different weapons that they have. And they've got some talent at the wideout spot. They I really I, do. I thought, it, I thought it was by far the best game that I've seen Renee Medina call. And honestly, one of the best called offensive games I've seen from a Long Beach team going back to that 2012 Poly Championship run where they were completely remaking the offense every week. That mission team, is that's a good defense. And Polly put up more points against them than Servite did. They put up more points, you know, they put up more points against them than Miliani from Hawaii, which is a very good team, did. It was really impressive, and you're so right. They finished with 397 yards of offense to uh, Mission Viejo's, I think it was 383. They ran ran it 33 times, they passed it 40, and as you said, he targeted like eight different receivers at every level, like depth and sideline to sideline of the field. It was spread so perfectly, and Curry is just so confident and it doesn't, it, it doesn't even make sense that he's as confident as he is, to be completely honest with you. He's been like a youth football star his whole life. But the dude, you know I mean? He tore his ACL against Milliken like 10 months ago, you know? <laughs> and he's out there at mission just bawling out of his mind, running a touchdown in. I mean, it, I, I was so impressed with that kid uh, among a bunch of other people. But you're right to shout out Renee Medina because it was definitely – I shouted him out in the article, which we do not do very often with coordinators. Facts. But, but, uh, but that fourth quarter in particular, they, they take the lead twice in the fourth quarter, including to win it with 30 seconds left uh, – with under 30 seconds left. And um, he, j- he pulled every trigger right. Darius Curry, five of six on third and fourth down in the fourth quarter, which is incredible, mm-hmm. incredible, and to different receivers, all of them. Um, so really just a, a super, super impressive performance. And to be honest with you, most impressed by the offense because the defense, you knew that it was going to be a battle. They made big plays, which is what you have to do against a Chad Johnson team. You're just not going to like shut them out, but they scored a touchdown. They had some big sacks to sort of end drives. They got lucky with a couple drops by mission players, but it was the offense because they only scored seven points in the first half. And then they come out and outscore Mission Viejo, Chad Johnson, with a great D1 quarterback and three D1 receivers. They outscore him 21-6 to in the second half. This poly team was down 17-14 at halftime to Mission last year and lost that game 41-14. to Right. Yeah, usually, usually you don't see you know, teams make adjustments and win the second half against the Chad Johnson coach team. But credit to Stephen Barbie and his entire staff for doing that and obviously the players for executing. So obviously, get to the website right now if you haven't already seen the highlight video. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't already seen it. But with that in mind, can't really get the atmosphere. So guys, what did it feel like to be at a game like that at a place like Mission Viejo where that, that's a cool arena, right? It's kind of tucked yeah, up against yeah. the side of that hill. Student section, always loud there, always packed. We've They've got the lot. history. We've been there a few times. Usually, usually driving home usually sad. <laughs> usually, not this time. And I, I just want to know what it felt like as the atmosphere. And did it feel like that championship style atmosphere? And I know a lot of people won't want to hear this, but hey, man, sometimes when you go to Orange County, you hear people say words that you don't usually hear in other places. And you feel a little bit of animosity towards people that come from outside of Orange County into Orange County. Did you feel that? Was it us against the world in there? I definitely want to shout out, and actually Tyler and I got a chance to catch up with Chad before the game. Um, He's one of my favorite coaches ever. Uh, We got to know him really well when he was at Bosco. Uh, He and I took our kids to Disneyland together, ran into each other at Disneyland, know Chad very well. But I told him um, when we used to go down to Mission Viejo when Bob Johnson was the coach, um, and I would say right now, by the way, this is probably the biggest regret for me in my sports writing career. Um, 
I heard Raul Lara frequently tell his team, hey, they're going to call you the N-word. They're going to call you the N-word to try and get you to hit them and get a personal foul. It's a strategy that they're going to employ against you. And me, as a sports writer in his early 20s, was not brave enough to write that story, quite frankly, to just say, hey, this is something that they're doing. And I, I was so sick about it. I tweeted about it when Bob Johnson retired and we're watching everyone say all these nice things about him. And all I could think about was Raul Lara talking to these kids from Long Beach who have nothing, mm -hmm. saying, hey, this guy that they're going to uh, put into the Hall of Fame here, has he, he's got this cheeky little strategy <laughs> of, of taunting you with racist slurs to try and get you to react, right? Chad Johnson uh, had completely changed the culture of that program. Mm -hmm. And that I, I really want to shout that out a, a lot because we talk about that on this podcast the stuff outside of sports that's more important. Yep. Um, and I told him that when we talked before the game. I said, hey, I was, just, I was just telling a friend of mine, it's a big deal that when I know I'm coming down here to cover a Long Beach team, I'm not worried about it anymore. And that's what he's personally came in and changed. He's, and he said, he's like, yeah, that was really important to me to come in and change that about the, uh, about the program. My closest friends are black. I'm not trying to run a program like that. That's never been the kind of program I'd be comfortable being a part of. Um, so I do want to shout out that I, I, that's a huge difference to me. And I think that mm -hmm. it's great. And I think it allows you to have a game like the one you had tonight where the atmosphere was incredible. Great student section for Mission Viejo. Awesome showing for Polly on the road. Um, and I just think, Jay, it felt like once Mission scored and then Polly scored in response, that's my answer to your question to Tyler about like when did you feel like it was kind of on and really, it felt like every drive from that point, midway through the first quarter, through the end of the game, it just felt like every drive was the drive that was going to decide the game. And everyone seems to appreciate it. Um, there were absolutely some issues with the officiating, whatever. Um, but even the officials, I mean, they really stepped out of the way for the most part in the second half yeah. and let those guys play. You could tell how much the players understood the significance of every little thing that was happening. We talked about Darius Curry taking a seven-yard gain on third and nine because he knew they were going to go for it on fourth. And just being so patient with that, it was really mm -hmm. an intelligently played, incredible football game from both teams. Um, and about as much fun as I've had covering a football game uh, ever. It was awesome. Yeah, and, you know, there was definitely a lot of uh, cameras and a lot of bodies on the sidelines that wanted to get a close look. It may not have been um, the two best teams in Southern California playing tonight, but it was probably the best game in the state of California tonight. And, uh, you know, really getting back on, um, you know, to getting ready to leave the game, I really felt like, I was like, that game was what you'd want to see from the highest division championship. Like, it felt like a normal Division One championship game. Each side had a handful of Division One kids. They had really good talent. They weren't perfect. They didn't look unbeatable. They were flawed. But they played hard, they played together, and it was really good quality uh, chess with good coaches. And you could see, I understand why these teams are two of the best teams. And that was kind of, you know, I was having flashbacks to my childhood, you know, watching the, you know, the D1 championship game at, uh, you know, Angel Stadium or wherever. And, you know, feeling like that was the type of game I was watching. And so, you know, if you're a, if you're a football fan in Southern California and you feel like things look a lot different than they did 15, 20 years ago, it's because they do. Um, and that game was a tremendous throwback. And I felt the poly crowd, because we were on the poly side and could kind of hear them a little bit more, um, they were really almost like waiting for, for permission. Like, are we are we allowed right. to get excited and yes. like really get into it? And it, it 
it did seem to swell throughout the game. The student section was really involved on the poli side. Um, you know, they had the band, they had the cheerleaders. Uh, it wasn't the biggest traveling crowd that we've seen, and obviously it was a game that was streaming. But good, more views for us. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but you, you, can, you can sort of feel it coming back, though. You know what I mean? Because I think there's always been people trying to hold the asterisk of like, yeah, but you can't compete with the best of the best. And it's like, well, they're number three in the state. That's pretty damn good. Public schools for president. Uh, also, I have to say this before we get out of here, right? And Tyler, you were the first to bring it up, and you are right. So... Which one of these teams gets to get served up to modern day or Bosco in the first round of this quote unquote open division one playoffs that could happen, right? Tyler was like, why don't we just let Bosco and modern day play again for this division one championship and then let Mission Viejo, Poly and everybody else like Centennial and LaSalle get it dirty in that division two. Who says no? Who cares what that division two looks like, bro? If it's got those teams in it. I am showing up, aren't you? Let, let me let me make a case here. Um, and obviously, people have already been asking us about these rankings. So, Polly goes up to number three in the Cal Preps rankings. There's a question as to whether they're going to do a four-team or an eight-team Division One bracket. Let me make a pitch to the, our friends at the CIF Southern Section, who we know listen to this podcast. Just schedule Bosco and Modern Day for the Rose Bowl in the Division One CIF Championship. Call it the Open Championship. Call it the Special SoCal Championship. Call it the National Championship. Call it the, call it the National Championship. The, it will absolutely be the National Championship. Who says no to the following? An eight-team Division Two bracket, which you can have four, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is, all televised. Poly, this is what the eight would be. Poly, Corona Centennial, Mission Viejo, Santa Margarita. Bottom half of the bracket, Los Al, Bishop Amat, Edison, Inglewood. <laughs> shoot me up. Shoot that into my veins. For yeah. real. Those are great games. It's And it's like a mix of like public-private. Yep. It's got like all the best leagues. And it, it really would look great. But you'd still it's have spread across spectacle. the section too. It's not like all Orange County. It's yeah. All re- it's, it's, you get the regional mixes of those different. I mean, and obviously these teams are going to go up and down. Right. But if you take any teams that you can get in those next eight – I, look, and I'm not just saying this because Polly's number three, and if they do a four team, their first play, their first playoff game right now would be against yeah. Modern Day. If they do an eight team, Polly's first playoff game would be against Santa Margarita, and then they'd play Modern Day in the semifinals. Right? Mm-hmm. That's all good, but we do know that it's going to be Bosco and Modern Day. Modern Day handles Corona Centennial, but look, we Tyler and I went and saw Polly in a scrimmage against Corona Centennial. They're like Polly and Mission were. I mean, I'm not saying Polly would beat Corona Centennial. But they're right there with each other, right? Like, those would be good it's games. A game, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a game. And, th- and that's my point. Like, I feel like that eight team bracket is what, this, what the Southern section wants by going with this Cal Preps formula is like one could beat eight, eight could beat one. Any of those teams could beat each other. They're all going to have all American caliber talent and multiple Division I players on their team. And they're all, I mean, quite frankly, and I have nothing but respect for our friends at the Bosco football uh, program, but like, those programs, Bosco and Modern Day, sort of exist outside of high school football in Southern California at this point, right? That's become part of the debate as people talk about Bosco absolutely rolling over Allen from Texas. And Texas said, uh, you know, look, we don't think that, like, that's high school football. Like, they, they attract talent from all over the place. They get transfers in, whatever. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. But I do think, like, I would be there for the Rose Bowl for Bosco and Modern Day. I think that everyone would be super excited about that game as the championship. We all know that's where it's going. Could someone give one of them a run as happened last year? Sure. But it's probably not going to happen. And so I would honestly, I would love the idea of 
put that game on a Saturday, and then on the Fridays mm-hmm. leading up to it, give us this eight-team Division Two bracket or call that Division One and call the other one the Open Championship, whatever. Give us an eight-team bracket that would be that exciting as that Polly through Inglewood one through eight would be. I just – I would love that so much. People yeah. who go to that game would be telling their children about that game. Yeah, and then – and then if they want more playoff games, then Bosco and Modern Day can go play UCLA and USC or something. You know what I mean? Like, they can find UCLA, or yeah, play yeah. IMG or UCLA whatever. might be in trouble. I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Chill. <laughs> All right. Here's the, here's the deal. We are going to come back next week with a bigger podcast talking about the other Long Beach football teams that are playing very well right now. Some of them are struggling, too. So we'll talk about those as well. We're just going to wrap it all up in a nice little bow as we get to the end of this non-league season and into the more league season. But we wanted to give you that first initial read and react uh Im- immediate stuff for that game long beach poly and mission viejo obviously all of the coverage at the 562.org gotta shout out the sponsors naples rib company everybody else at the website tyler let them know how they can get involved in supporting long beach sports right now it's pretty easy just go to the 562.org there's a tab that says support the562.org, and it's going to break down all the different options of how you can support the work that we do. Uh, best way, if you're a reader and you and you love our work, uh, if you click on that button to subscribe, there's also a big subscribe button on our website. It'll take you to our Patreon page. You can sign up as a monthly subscriber and make sure that you're supporting the work that we do so we can send more freelancers to games. We can bring you more videos, more photo galleries, more feature stories, all of that great stuff. Uh, you can also sponsor some of our coverage. Um, you know, we got to thank all of our individual sport and school sponsors um, for stepping up and helping make sure that we have the level of coverage that we want to give to Long Beach's athletes. You can shoot me an email, Tyler at the 562.org. Uh, if you want to do it personally or for your business, definitely step up and support the coverage. We want to do more and we were willing to do more. Uh, we just need to make sure we have the community support to go forward and make that happen. So get involved. Make sure that nonprofit local news stays thriving here in the city of Long Beach. Guys, it's 3 o'clock a.m. on a Saturday, and we are freaking all the way turned up about high school football. It's what we do. Come have fun with us.